For the next two weeks, we're going to talk about winning in the waiting. Waiting on what God is doing, waiting for promises, waiting for certain moments to go ahead and receive the blessing because there's a season to receive a blessing and there's receiving seasons to wait. We're going to talk about waiting. Say waiting. waiting. Guest services, will you help me right now and pass out our little gifts that we have uh, for everyone in the house today? The guest service team is about to pass out to you Tootsie Pops. Tootsie Pops. How many of you remember the commercial as kids growing up where the boy had a Tootsie Pop and he was asking an owl how many licks does it take to what? And how many licks did it take? Three. One, two, three. And then he would break into it. Again, the idea of waiting, the idea of waiting. And so please feel free to lick a Tootsie Pop during today's message. Now, that doesn't give you an excuse to uh, stop saying amen, by the way. If you want, you can even pull that out and shake it up in the air like a hallelujah, right? If you don't have a handkerchief. But today, we're going to go ahead and have a little treat. And that's just a connection point to talk to you about waiting. See, the owl, he couldn't lick it down to the bottom. He was too anxious, and so in his mind, there was only three licks to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop. But do you know anticipation can be a good thing? Waiting can be a good thing. And so we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. There are things that we will never learn if we refuse to wait. I want you to write some of them down. I know that you're eagerly waiting your Tootsie Pop. So you're like, I'm waiting right now. I'm anticipating my Tootsie Pop. Where is my Tootsie Pop? I should be in my mouth already. This sermon's for you, my friend. <laughs> there are things that we will never learn if we refuse to wait. You know, there's power in patience. Somebody say amen. amen. You'll never learn trust if you refuse to wait. There is maturity that is developed in waiting. You know, when we were little, little, little human beings, that was one of the telltales of an immature spirit, right? They wanted what they wanted, and they wanted it when? Now. Right now. Even as a parent, if you were telling them, just give me a minute, I'm in the middle of something, did that stop them? Didn't matter, did it? Because in their world, in that moment, they needed what they wanted, and they wanted it right now. You'll never learn maturity without learning to wait. You also won't learn the difference between good, better, and best. You know, some things aren't sin, my friends, but some things get better as you let them develop a little longer. Sometimes we're always thinking of sin and don't sin and just acting right now. Well, there's nothing wrong with it, but there are certain things that may be better if you allow God to develop that before you take it for yourself. And so we want to be people who know the difference between good, better, and best. Christianity wins in the waiting. The verse that I'll start us off with today is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. We're going to get into some passages of Scripture later, but to set the foundation, the Bible says, Be not slothful, but be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I'll say it one more time. Be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience 
inherit the promises. So many times we talk about faith. I have faith, I read it in scripture, and I believe, and I believe I want it now. (laughs) But there is another ingredient in God's promises. Along with faith, there is an ingredient called patience. Patience is something that we develop. Patience is a virtuous thing. Patience needs to be a part of our Christianity. As much as we get nervous to ask God for patience or we get nervous to discuss patience, patience creates a power inside of us. Patience is important. We rarely focus on developing patience or even celebrating it in our modern world. It's always faster is better. Now is better than then. The flesh, you are a spirit, you possess a soul and you live in the body and our fleshly nature wants everything it wants and it wants it now. The flesh says, you can write this in your notes, this is what I want and I want it now. The flesh says, this is what I feel right now. The flesh says, this is what I think right now. Aren't you glad that you don't get everything you want right now? Many of us who've lived a few years now, there were times and seasons where we wanted certain things and we thought we had to have it, but we're so thankful now that we didn't get what we said we wanted so badly then. Some of you, if you would have ended up with the person you thought you couldn't live without in high school, you would have seen a whole different life and you, was, you dodged a real bullet on that one, come on. But in the moment, you were like, this is the one I want. I feel it. I need her. I, this, is, this is the only one. And now, 20 years later, you're like, thank the Lord. <laughs> because, my friends, what you feel right now, what you think right now, what you desire right now is subjective. It's subjective to culture. It's subjective to even opinions of our age, our young people, and even some of us You know, adults, we all get caught up in what the culture is saying. You need to think right now. You need to believe right now. You need to want this right now. What we really need is God's truth. Because God's ways and thoughts and promises and truth will keep us secure so that we don't get what we think we want, but we get what he knows is best. This is Christianity, my friend. There are things that you feel and believe right now that give it 20 years and you're gonna be so glad you didn't do that. There are people with face tattoos all over the world that regret those face tattoos. But in the moment, they needed a serpent across their forehead. And now they're 75 going, what in the world was I thinking? Are you hearing me, church? The problem with making decisions like that or living that way is all of that can change and is subjective to the outside circumstances, but God's truth is consistent. Now and then, say now and then. This is kind of the mindset I wanna teach you today, now and then. Do not sacrifice your then for what you think you want right now. Do not sacrifice your future prosperity for your present pleasure. The wisdom of God considers both now and then. See, here's the beauty about doing things God's way. That when you do it God's way, he is taking care of your now and he's sowing into your then. 
Our flesh doesn't care about then. Our flesh wants what we want and we want it now. Even if we're destroying our then. There will be a then. There will be a day that comes and you reap what it is that you sowed today. But the beauty about doing it God's way is that God's way blesses you now and then. Can you get excited about God's faithfulness on that? Now and then, now and then. Passion versus patience. Passion versus patience. Do not be ruled by your passions. Allow God to develop patience. Open your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 13. I'm gonna tell you a story, and I'm gonna give you a bit of a warning label on this story. It's definitely a bit graphic. But we need to understand there are scriptures in the Bible that get a little graphic because life is pretty traumatic when we don't do it God's way. We don't wanna erase the difficult parts of scripture because they make us uncomfortable. Second Samuel chapter 13. This is a story of passion versus patience and how it destroyed everybody involved. Second Samuel chapter 13. Verse one, now David's son Absalom had a beautiful sister. Her name was Tamar. And Amnon, her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. Amnon became so obsessed with Tamar that he became ill. He made himself sick over it. She was a virgin, and Amnon thought he could never have her. But Amnon had a very crafty friend, his cousin Jonadab. He was the son of David's brother. One day, Jonadab said to Amnon, what's the trouble? Why should the son of a king look so dejected morning after morning? So Amnon told him, I am in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Well, Jonadab said, I'll tell you what to do. Go back to bed and pretend you're ill. And when your father comes to see you, ask him to let Tamar come and prepare some food for you and tell him you'll feel better if she prepares it as you watch and feed you from her own hands. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be sick, and when the king came to see him, Amnon asked him, please let my sister Tamar come and cook my favorite dish as I watch. Then I can eat it from her own hands. So David agreed and sent Tamar to Amnon's house to prepare some food for him. When Tamar arrived at Amnon's house, she went to the place where he was laying down so he could watch her mix some dough. Then she baked his favorite dish for him. But when she set the tray before him, he refused to eat it. Everyone get out of here, Amnon told his servant. So they all left. Then he said to Tamar, now bring me the food into my bedroom and feed it to me here. So Tamar took his favorite dish to him, but as she was feeding it to him, he grabbed her and demanded, come to bed with me, my sister. No, brother, she cried out, don't be foolish. Don't do this to me. Such wicked things aren't done in Israel. Where could I go in my shame? And you would be called one of the greatest fools in all of Israel. Please just speak to the king about it and he will let me marry you. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her and since he was stronger than her, he raped her. Then suddenly, listen to this, suddenly Amnon's love turned to hate and he hated her even more than he had loved her. Get out of here, he snarled at her. No, no, Tamar cried. Sending me away now is worse than what you've already done to me. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her. He shouted for his servants and demanded, throw this woman out 
and locked the door behind her. So the servants put her out, locked the door. She was wearing a long, beautiful robe, as was the custom in those days for king's virgin daughters. But now Tamar tore her robe, put ashes on her head, and then with her face in her hands, she went away crying. Her brother Absalom saw her and asked, is it true that Amnon has been with you? Well, my sister, keep quiet for now, since he's your brother. Don't worry about it. So Tamar lived as a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. When King David heard what had happened, he was very angry. And though Absalom never spoke to Amnon about this, he hated Amnon deeply because of what he had done to his sister. I know that's a very graphic and a very intense story, but it tells a great tale, doesn't it? This idea of passion versus patience. This idea that Amnon thought, I had to have Tamar, and I'm willing to take her now. I'm willing to violate morality. I'm willing to violate my place as a king's son. I'm willing to damage her life. And here's the truth. The devil will tempt you and things that you think you have to have right now. Once you have those things, so many times shame and anger and hate is the other end of you fulfilling that passion in your life. You think, I have to have this pornography right now, and you do take it now, and then all of a sudden, the other side of that story comes in. You think, I have to have this relationship now, and we have to have sex now. We can't wait for marriage. And then all of a sudden, you open all kinds of doors and curses into that relationship. Are you hearing me, church? But you have to have it now. Why? Because I think I need it now. I feel I need it now. My culture says it's okay to take it now rather than waiting for God's timing or doing it God's way. I'm telling you that if you take what isn't supposed to be yours now just because you want it, there will be some level of destruction, stealing, killing, destroying, and hate. You will hate the life you receive more than you thought you would have loved it. Amen. See, Amnon thought, if I get what I want, I will be so happy, I will be so fulfilled, and he didn't realize what he was going to receive on the other side of that choice. And he damaged the total future of Tamar's life, changed, because of his choice to sin. And Amnon didn't realize it, but he also signed his own death wish, his own death warrant, because later on, Absalom got revenge. I know that's a powerful story, but this is part of why we have to bring this back into the body of Christ, because our culture isn't teaching us to wait. Our culture isn't celebrating waiting. Our culture is saying, what do you feel? Whatever you feel is right. Whatever you think right now, whatever our society right now thinks, collectively must be okay. My friend, it's what God has said is truth and okay. His way stays the same and is unchanging. He is taking care of you now, and if you obey him, he will make sure you're happy then. Amen. There's no sorrow in obeying God. Amen. There's another illustration. Genesis chapter 25. Go to Genesis chapter 25. This picture of being led by your passions and sacrificing your happiness and sacrificing your future on the altar of today is everywhere throughout Scripture because it's human nature. Let's talk about Esau. Say Esau. Esau in this story basically said, my hunger now is worth anything it costs me later. Story of Jacob and Esau. Two brothers, two twin brothers. 
Esau was the older brother, and the tradition would say that he would have the right as the oldest son to lead that family and to inherit the wealth of that family. And in this moment, Esau's hunger, his physical hunger, caused him to sacrifice his future. Genesis chapter 25, have you found it? Verse 29. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? Do you hear that? What good is my future inheritance right now? What good is my future as the leader of my family because I'm hungry right now? But Jacob said, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all of his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. That's how little he valued his future. He sold his future for an immediate hunger, for a bowl of soup and a piece of bread. And we laugh at that and we can say, how silly, how ridiculous, but how many times do we forfeit our future? for something that we're hungry for today. We're hungry for people to like us, so we sacrifice our character so that that group will accept us. We're hungry for some immediate pleasure, so we sacrifice and put ourselves underneath an addiction that'll lead our family and could curse our generations. Are you hearing me, church? We open a door that could literally affect our children and our children's children because We want, we're hungry, we're craving, we're starving for something in our flesh, in our flesh, and we're willing to forfeit the future for it. My youth pastor as a kid growing up used to say this, a hungry need is a dangerous need. A hungry need is a dangerous need. Esau was starving in his stomach, and when he was starving, he was willing to sell everything to fulfill that need. It is so important that we keep ourselves filled up and we, not, we do not let ourselves get to that point of starvation. May you be filled up with God's presence. May you fill up with God's word. Come on now. May you fill up and let faith fill your cup. May you fill up with godly relationships that will encourage you. Do not let yourself get to a place of spiritual starvation. You can celebrate that. That's okay. Let me say this, I want us just to think about this idea today as you enjoy your Tootsie Pops. Some of you are actually taking the challenge. You're on lick 429 and you're, you're just that kind of person. I'm grateful to hear what you find out by the end of the service today. But listen to this statement, please, as we're talking about Amnon and Tamar. She looked at him and said, just go do this the right way. Just go ask for my hand in marriage. He said, I don't wanna wait. I have to have you now. And having her now, he lost her and he lost his own life. 
There was a right way. My friends, God is not trying to remove pleasure from you. In his right hand are pleasures evermore. God is for you, not against you. Amen. God is not trying to take life from you. He is the source of all life. He knows how our life will be most fulfilled and most enjoyed. But you got to do it his way. There was a right way for Amnon to marry her, and they would have lived in blessing. And he wouldn't have been on Absalom's list to be executed. But in him saying, I need something that may be right for another time, in having it out of season, it was wrong and sin. Amen? Even God gave us our sexual desires, but he meant them to be righteously fulfilled in marriage. Give me a hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wait, wait, wait. There's winning in the waiting. There is winning in the waiting. There is a right way to do things. And God's way is taking care of your now and your then. Esau was willing to give up so much because of something he felt in his body right now. He felt hunger. And I live with teenagers. I understand how strong hunger is. Ravenous, locust-like, <laughs> grumpy. They get hangry, say hangry. That's hungry and angry if you don't know what that means. And it's scary. As mom and dad, we are afraid until they are fed because they have those eyes on them that you don't know what they're gonna do if they're hungry. So I understand. But look what we give up. It is mind-blowing how much we're willing to take or give up just because we want it now. Think about what I just said. Think about how mind-blowing it is what we're willing to take from someone just because we want it now. We're willing to break the law. We're willing to steal. We're willing to take another person's position. We're willing to take their honor. We're willing to take their life as human beings because we want something. There are people who argued over a thing and they could have murder come out of their heart because they want a thing. Do you understand where we can go as human beings? The extent of what we're capable of because we want to take something now. Riots, all kinds of stuff we see in the news. It's mind-blowing what we're willing to take when we want it now, and it's mind-blowing what we're willing to give up because we want it now. David, King David, was willing to take another man's wife because he wanted her now. What we're willing to take and then he was willing to take Uriah's life to get his wife for himself now. Are you hearing me, church? And David is a man after God's own heart. David is not just some pagan person. I'm telling us, we have this potential to go so far and to make such a mess of things because we don't know how to control our appetites. Because we haven't learned this concept of patience. And waiting, and we believe a lie that I need it now. Mind-blowing, we're willing to take or we're willing to give up. Look about giving up. Look at, look at Esau. We're willing to give up our future. Esau was willing to give up his future. We can't point fingers at that and say, oh, how silly, he gave up his future. We do it all the time. We're willing to give up our whole future for a current Addiction that's going to end up 
controlling us for the rest of our lives. Are you hearing that? We're willing to give up our future. We're willing to give up our marriage because you believe a lie that someone else is gonna make you happier than the person that God has blessed you with. And you're willing, you're willing to destroy your family? Listen, this is, this is how, how twisted we can become. We're willing to give up our family for the sake of a emotion, a temptation, a lust that we want it right now. And we close our eyes to the future that we're about to launch into our entire family. We don't care about what it's gonna do to our kids, we don't care about what it's gonna do to our lives, to our spouse, because you think it now. You feel it now. You want it now. Because you're not living in the life you're about to get. But after you get what you thought you wanted, you're gonna get the fullness of what you wanted. Are you hearing me? I'm warning you now. Strong message, Pastor Kevin. This is a discipleship message, church. Trust God. Trust God. And don't believe your feelings. Don't believe your feelings. Amen. That's why you don't even trust your own thoughts sometimes. You bring it back to God's word. Don't trust yourself. Don't trust your friends on social media. Don't trust the people at the office who are like, well, I don't know who your friend is and I don't know why they do this with their head, but don't trust them. If they're not saying what God said, don't trust them. There's plenty of people that agree with you so that you sin, so they don't feel so bad about their sin. Are you hearing me? They feel the more people's lives they get wrecked and they feel better about their own. I'm trying to pull you back from the cliff today. Trust God, there's winning in the waiting. There's winning in the waiting. There are people who give up not only their current life, but they'll give up their whole eternity. Do you understand? That you can let your heart grow cold, you can walk away from God, you can do all kinds of things in a current emotion. There's people who are willing to not only give up their earthly life, but they're willing to give up eternal life. We will pay almost any price to have something that we want right now. That's scary. That's our potential as human beings. We are willing to pay almost any price to have something that we want right now. But praise God, he's given us his Holy Spirit. Now let me flip this and give you some hope. <laughs> like Pastor Kevin, you did a good job laying it on. Now help me out. Aren't you glad that we have the Holy Spirit? He's our helper. He's our helper. Praise God, you weren't just forgiven of sin, you were washed and cleansed that you might receive the Holy Spirit of God. And you are not alone. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is in our lives to help, but you have to let him help you too. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter five, verse 22 through 23, talks about the fruits of the Spirit. That's the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And one of those fruits is patience, long-suffering, the Bible tells us that God helps us both to will and do his good pleasure. So God is not saying for you to defeat your flesh on your own. The Holy Spirit helps us to live free from the old self. But we need to ask his help. But we also need to know 
that that capacity for patience is inside of us. Do not believe the lie that you cannot resist the devil. You can resist the devil and you can make him flee. The Bible says sin no longer has dominion, domination over you. The sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Somebody get excited about that. You are dead to sin and alive unto God. And you have the capacity for patience. You have the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of God's ability inside of you for patience. As Spirit-filled believers, we have the ability to wait. We have the ability to wait on a promise. Please write that in your notes, because waiting is not just about sin. We have the capacity to wait on a promise. Not every promise in Christianity manifests itself within 24 hours. Did you know that? You're like, what? What meaneth this? I prayed, they laid hands on me. They even prophesied and I felt a goose bump. <laughs> and it has been 24 whole hours and I have not seen the fulfillment of that. I'm out. God's Holy Spirit empowers us to not only wait for the fulfillment of God's promises for our physical lives, but also for his promises over our lives. God is gonna help us wait, because remember, we wanna be imitators of those who through faith and patience possess the promises. This is Christianity, that there are some promises that are just set for an appointed time. There are some promises that need time to go from good, better, to best. There are some promises that we won't see on this side of eternity, but we're still willing to live for them on this side, though we'll reap them on that side. And the Holy Spirit gives you the capacity, the ability to wait on a promise. The Holy Spirit also gives us the ability to wait on people. To be another word for patience, are you ready for it? Long suffering. You're like, that sounds more like it, Pastor Kevin, when you're talking about people. It's not that I need patience, I need the ability to suffer long with these people. But God is there to help us because you know what? Someone else suffered long with you, praise God. Because you were not a little ray of sunshine the moment you gave your life to Jesus either. And there are times that we can be a little bit of a bear to deal with. But God gives us the ability to bear with one another's burdens, to bear with one another's weaknesses because we're all on a journey of growth. Isn't that wonderful? So God gives us the ability to wait, gives us the ability to wait on promises for our lives, gives us the ability to be patient with one another. And the same way I offer grace to others, we receive grace back to ourselves. And he also gives us the ability to wait on pleasures, to wait on pleasure. There is a proper time and a proper season for everything. And so today I just wanna encourage us to develop this long-term mentality for believers. God moves in the eternal, say eternal. God does not move in a 24 hour time clock. He doesn't move in a seven day a week calendar, 365 days a year. God moves in the eternal. And so when he makes a promise, he's not sitting there looking at the hours and the minutes. Are you understanding? He looks at it as promise given, promise fulfilled. There's no calendar in between. And God is faithful to his promises according to his vision not according to what we see.
Amen. God is never late. He's always on his time. And there are things that will be fulfilled after our lifespan. Church, let's return to a belief that there is laid up for me mentality. I want you to start thinking. Young people, I'm so glad you're with us in our church. In this, this is your church too. Can we say amen? amen? This is not the old people's church and the young people get to watch. We're all one church. We're the body of Christ. And our students this last week had an amazing youth retreat. Many of them were able to go and we're so excited about the mileage you made in God. And we fan that flame. We're, we're, we're so enthusiastic about what God is doing through you. And we get to be a part of the church that you're a part of. And we're one. It's awesome. It's just awesome. But I want us to have this vision as Christians. This there is laid up for me mentality. That what's happening and what the choices we're making and the sacrifices we're making and the promises we're standing on may have their fulfillment in eternity. We do not want to modernize church where everything, every promise, every blessing has to come to us before we die. God is eternal. And the moment you give your life to Jesus, you step into an eternal realm and eternal promises. Which means there are things you may not see on this side of eternity but you are setting them into motion. It's like Bob said in the video, he began laying up treasures for another world, for another time in eternity. Second Timothy chapter four, verses seven through eight says this, I have fought a good fight. This is the apostle Paul talking about the life he lives. He's fighting a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. See, he was making choices, making decisions today. And then he said this, in the future there is reserved for me or there is laid up for me, the King James says. See, he was making right choices, right decisions, right sacrifices now, knowing that in the future there would be laid up for him. He was gonna wait for those crowns. He was gonna wait for the blessings. He was gonna wait to see the eternal fruit. Are you hearing this? Can we have that mentality again in a world and in a culture that wants you to have everything right now? If it's gonna be valuable, if it's gonna be worth your time and energy, you better see the fruit of it now. We are people connected to the eternal. And Paul was saying, I fought the fight because one day in eternity I would see the result. I finished the course, I've kept the faith. In the future there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness. And this is for you, my friend, as well. All those choices, all those sacrifices, in the future there is reserved for you a crown of righteousness which the Lord, this is Jesus, the righteous judge will award to me on that day and not only to me but to all those who have loved his appearing. We know that the godly good actions and choices of today impact eternity. This is Christianity. Even the Lord had this mentality in himself. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 12, King James Version, says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and it is set down at the right hand of God on the throne. And I began to think about the joy that was set before him. Do you know he endured the cross, denied his physical comfort. He was gonna open his back up to be beaten and whipped. He was gonna stretch out his hands in surrender to be pierced. 
with nails. He's about to take the sins of the world upon himself, about to be rejected by humanity. I mean, this is a big deal, right? But the Bible says he was willing to put aside his own passions, his own pleasure, his own comforts. Come on, church. What his flesh might have wanted probably wasn't to be beaten and crucified. But he made a better choice. Somebody say amen. Amen. Because of a future glory, because of a future blessing, because of what he was creating in the future, he was willing to suffer loss, suffer pain, not get what he physically wanted for the hope of a future. Aren't you glad he didn't sacrifice the then for the now, his now? This is Christianity. This is where great things happen. If the body of Christ can believe and live this way again. And the joy that was set before him, it wasn't the next three days. It wasn't the resurrection only. You might think, well, he only had to wait three days to be resurrection. It wasn't the future that he was looking to. The joy set before him wasn't just the three days after when resurrection. Do you understand that the joy that was set before him that made him endure the cross was thousands of years later when the Father's house is filled with sons and daughters. See, if you look at it like, oh, he was just holding off for three days. Well, obviously we know God doesn't live in that timeline like we do, I get that, but what I'm trying to say is he saw millennials, millenniums down the future. And his choice for today was so that he could have what would be thousands of years later in the throne room of God. Every tribe, every tongue. Amen. That's pretty awesome. Last thought. When I was growing up, there was a statement that I think kind of took some of the power out of this, what we're talking about today. And I I just wanted to kind of correct this line of thinking. There was this common phrase that said, don't be so heavenly minded that you are of no earthly good. And I heard that as a kid growing up. And for some reason, it got into my heart, like, you know, don't think about heaven all the time. Don't be too heavenly minded. You'll be of no earthly good. But history has proven that those who thought the most about eternity and had an eternal perspective actually did the most good. They were the ones willing to say no to their present passions for a better future. They were the ones who did the hard things now in hopes for a better tomorrow. Can you see that? I used to just kind of take that at face value. Don't be so heavenly minded that you're on no earthly good. But you know what being heavenly minded means? It means you have eyes fixed on eternity. It means that you're not just looking at what's happening today. I get it. Don't just sit there and say, get me out of here and get me to heaven. I understand if that's what you think heavenly minded is. If you think heavenly minded is escaping this life to just get to heaven, then yes, that will take your power away. But if you constantly are thinking through eyes of eternity and you're willing to say no to current pleasures in order for future glory, if you're willing to be uncomfortable in the now so that you can create a bigger and better future for then, if you're willing to sacrifice, say sacrifice, See, our flesh doesn't like to sacrifice, but you sacrifice time. You sacrifice treasure. Come on now. You sacrifice people's opinions sometimes about you in order for the hope of a glorious future 
for them, for the kingdom, for missions. Come on. Missionaries were willing to give up present comfort in order to create eternal reward. This is Christianity. There is winning in the waiting. There is winning in the waiting. Where is the next generation of believers who are willing to sacrifice the present pleasures for future glory? If we are all living for today, there is no hope for tomorrow. Can you receive that word today, church? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, right now as we're ending this message, I pray it resonates in our hearts that God, you would help us to be people who have eyes set in eternity, that we're not ruled by our passions, we're not ruled by what we think, want, or desire now. We let the word of God stand true, and we're led by your Holy Spirit. God, I ask if there's anybody in the room today that there is some fixation, some temptation or thing that the devil is getting them to obsess over, and if they were honest, they're actually getting ready to sacrifice their life, their family, their marriage, their career, whatever. And God, I thank you that today you brought them to church to stop them from making the biggest mistakes of their life. And God, we surrender those things. Lord, I pray right now that if they've been in a fog, if they've been believing a lie, that Lord, right now you snap them out of it in Jesus' name. You wake them up and we unstop their ears and we pray the scales fall off their eyes and we ask for truth to penetrate their heart. God, we thank you that we have the ability to wait. We have the ability to be patient. We have the ability to say no to our flesh. So I thank you for moving in this house today. Help us to be people who have eyes fixed on eternity and to make choices based on that. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. If you can agree with that prayer, would you just celebrate? Just give God thanks. Just celebrate. Amen. Church, today, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and that the wages, the penalty of our sin is death, which is separation from God, even hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. And the Bible goes on to say this, that all, say all, who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so today I want to give you an opportunity to call on the name of the Lord to save you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for the next 30 seconds? Say, Pastor Kevin, that's me. I don't remember a time in my life that I asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. But I want to do that today. In a moment, I'm going to count to three, and when I say three, just raise your hand, and we'll pray for you right at your seat. Or you may say, at one time, I had a thriving relationship with God, but I've walked away. I've let it grow cold, if I'm honest, and I would like to recommit and restart that faith. When I count to three, just raise your hand with everybody else, and you'll follow me in a word of prayer. Let's get things right with God today. Again, if that's you, on the count of three, you've never given your life to Jesus or you're recommitting your life to Jesus, just raise your hand at three. One, two, three. Would you raise your hand today? And I'll pray for you. There's a hand right there. Anybody else? Pop it up. God sees it. There's two, three. Anybody else? Four in the back. I see you in the back. Anyone else? Put it up. This is between you and God. Five, thank you. Six. Anyone else today? Put it up. 
seven, thank you. Give you a minute between you and God. Eight, I see you over there. I see you. All right, even if I missed it, I saw one more hand just pop up and down, a little, little half hand there. Another hand over there. Praise God. Praise God. Congratulations, everybody. Welcome home. Let's pray this prayer together. Let's pray this prayer together. Repeat this after me, church. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize that I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and celebrate that, church. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.